You know what's crazy? The fact that the injury bug can still pop up out of nowhere, even when we are in the middle of an offseason. A couple of teams getting hit big time with the injury bug. We talked about one already in the Boston Bruins, but another one is being hit in a team that made it oh so close to hoisting the Stanley Cup. We got to get to a few other things, including one of my favorite players in the National Hockey League, episode 21. Let's go. Welcome in episode 21 of the Second Thoughts Podcast. Kyle Grimard here as your host. And as always, thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast. You can make sure and stream online on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're up at uh, at anchor.com, and we stream from about seven or eight different uh, platforms. So it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. So if you don't have any of those and you're like, Kyle, I, I need another way to stream this, there's a plethora of other ones. I believe some of them are even free that you can get get and just make sure to go on i have the link posted in my bio on instagram at second thoughts p that's also the twitter handle as well uh, if you notice from last episode, I broke down some of the teams that got better, some of the teams that got worse from the free agency period. Uh, if you want to go watch the full video, actually, it is shared up on the Instagram page and Twitter page at Second Thoughts P. Uh, not every team was covered, but you know, for most part, it's a good start for the video making process. And I think as the as as the off season continues on and content slowly starts to diminish a little bit, I'll start going through each team and where they stand, what they did in the draft, what they did in free agency, and I'll do like like two or three teams per episode and hopefully that'll carry me enough into training camp and then we can get going right into the regular season but we you know we got some news involving the uh, Calgary Flames and something that they could be experimenting with and I am absolutely all for it I think that would be one of the best things that they could do for that team but let's start here with the Washington Capitals and you know there there is this player on their team might have heard of him before Alexander Ovechkin and there, there are some players that go in, they have spectacular careers, right? They play, they play with their heart on their sleeve. They have, they have great careers, you know, play hard, beloved by their fans. But there's that extra it factor, that extra stamp of approval that just, he is almost beloved by everybody. And at a point in time, he was not as beloved as a lot of other players. Alexander Ovechkin is I think once he won the Stanley Cup in 2018, was one of the most beloved players throughout the entirety of the league. He is this six foot four, six three, two hundred and thirty pound Russian machine that will plow over you physically, will just engorge you on the scoreboard with his monster clappers in his office. He's an incredible personality to the game that I think paved way for so many younger players, specifically coming over from Europe, who have that same kind of mentality. And uh, he is one of those guys that has given everything he has to this game. Now, there was a story out earlier saying that Ovechkin recently confirmed that he hopes to end his playing career in his hometown of Moscow. He said, my career is not over yet. This is my favorite part said, I'm still in my prime, 35 years of age. This is a, a Russian television international company, he said. I think it will de- I will definitely play a few more years. God grant that my health is good. I would finish in Russia at Dynamo Moscow. 
So Alex Ovechkin, like I said, 35, just coming off of a season where he had 48 goals and 67 points in like 70 games, was probably going to hit the 50-goal 50 50 plateau again. That would have broken, I believe, Wayne Gretzky's record or tied Wayne Gretzky's record for the most seasons with 50 goals or more. We'll get to those numbers a little bit later on. And uh, it's, you know, I want to be upset with this news because I, I'm going to say this. And again, I try to be as unbiased as I humanly can be. But Alexander Ovechkin, I will admit, is one of my favorite players in the league. When he entered the league back in 2005, you know, it was him and Crosby going head to head. And like 80% of people, I mean, outside of Washington and then people like me, everyone was picking Crosby. Everyone was 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 Team Crosby. It was the Crosby versus Ovechkin debate that lasted a decade. I was Team Ovechkin. Even though Crosby's Canadian, even though he scored the, the golden goal, even though he's won three Stanley Cups, I was Team Ovechkin. I don't know why. I don't know why. There was something about him. He had this energy. He had this love for the game, this passion that I related to to a certain extent. And... He was a guy that I just, I, I fell in love with. You know, and then he signs this, this lucrative 13-year contract extension in 2008 for like $124 million. Every other deal or contract that was signed that long, maybe outside of Connor McDavid, you'd look at it and go, that's, that, that's going to be a horrible deal in, like, in the last five, six years of that contract. I look at Ryan Suter and Zach Parise in Minnesota. They have like five years left at like their 13-year, 90 or $100 million contracts. I can't get out of those. Every one of those contracts that players just, they haven't been able to live up to it for the last few years of it. Alex Ovechkin has made that contract seem like, like a bargain. But I, the, the point of this whole conversation right now is why I'm saying this is if you want to be upset because if you're a Washington fan, you want him to finish his career here in, 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 in Washington. You don't want him to go anywhere else and play. You know, he's given everything he has to the game. He's brought the Capitals a Stanley Cup. He's broken goal records. He's hit milestones that no one ever thought he'd be able to hit. Now, having said all this, you know, his contract that he signed in 08 is set to expire after this coming season. He'd be an unrestricted free agent for the very first time in his career. But Ovi, sure, he wants to finish his NHL career with the Washington Capitals. So it's not a question of money. It's a matter of principle. He said, I played for only two teams, Dynamo and Washington. He added that it is clear in two, three, four years, maybe five, I will end my career in Washington. He said, I want to end on a beautiful note to play my last match for Dynamo Moscow. So he's planning on playing in Washington from, from the transcript here, anywhere from two to five years for Washington. So he's going to play probably until he's like 38, 39, or 40 years of age. And then he's probably wants to finish his last match with Dynamo. It's where he's from. If you remember in 2012 when the NHL was, uh, was, lo- was in a lockout, he played over for Dynamo Moscow. He also spent four seasons in Dynamo before bursting onto the scene in the NHL back in 2005. He started playing there when he was a teenager back in 2001. It's absolutely wild. Now, here's the reason I'm upset. About, uh, like I would be upset if he left while he still had some play left in him. He is a nine-time Rocket Richard winner became the eighth player in NHL history to have to hit 700 goals. He right now he sits at six, 706, sorry. 
He is 188 goals behind Wayne Gretzky's all-time record of 894. So if he plays up to five seasons in the NHL, he would need to average 38 goals a season to top it. If you take a season away from it, things get more complicated. If he only played four years, he'd have to score 47 a season. One of the toughest records that has been talked about that said that will never get broken by Wayne Gretzky, and there's a lot of them. There's most goals in a year at like 93. That's never getting touched with the way the game's being played today. Points, you know, total points, uh, points in a regular season. But 894 goals is attainable. I think Ovechkin, he's going to sleep his way to 800 goals. And believe believe me if you want, don't believe me if you want, uh, take it in stride. I have been saying that Alex Ovechkin has a chance to break Wayne Gretzky's record. I was saying this five, six years ago. I, sw- I swear on my life. I have had conversations with college roommates when I was 18, so almost nine years ago, about how he could break Alexander, uh, how he could break Wayne Goreski's record for the most goals of all time. Because I started breaking down the numbers. And this was, by the way, at a time where he had finished putting up a 65-goal season. And I was like, listen, if he scores 50 a year for the next X years, he could kind of do it. And you know, I'd, I, my, my roommates, my buddies ragging on me and saying, yeah, he's never going to do it. He's going to slow down. And then he had his one year where like his lowest goals ever was like 32 in a season. And that would lasted, what, a year? Two years? Because he had 32 one year, then 38. And then he was back hitting the 50s. That would be the only reason I would get disappointed. But having said all of that, He's given everything he has to this game. Now, I'm, I, I don't want to be talking like he's done. His career's not over yet. He still has a season left. And he's going to play two, three, four, five more years in Washington. God, I hope it's five. And I hope he breaks that record. I really do. And I hope he wins another cup. I really do. Because there are a few players in this league who win a cup and deserve to win another. There are a few players who, like, you look at them and they truly deserve to win. Like, Joe Thornton's the guy you look at him and you go, that man deserves to win a cup. Ray Bork, his final season when he played in Colorado, when he hoisted it, you're like, that guy deserves to win a cup. Alex Ovechkin, when he finally hoisted it a couple years ago, deserved to win a cup. And honestly, through all the heartbreak that that man has endured in Washington, he deserves another. Now, make no mistake, he's going to finish his NHL career in Washington but he's probably going to leave with a little game left and go play for his hometown team in Dynamo Moscow. Uh, let's move on to this story here. And I, I want to talk about the Calgary Flames for a second. You know, what we've come to learn, what wins you, what wins you championships, you know, defense wins you championships, goaltending wins you championships, but forward depth wins championships. You get guys coming out of maybe nowhere, but sometimes nowhere, and put their stamp on a playoff on a playoff run. This year, it wasn't it wasn't some random depth player. It wasn't anything like that. But Braden Point came out and went from a really good number two center on one of the best teams, the best team in the National Hockey League, to 
we're going to win the Stanley Cup without Steven Stamkos, our captain and our number one center. One of the things that Calgary has kind of struggled with is center depth beyond the number one center role. Sean Monahan was the guy that, that was their number one center. He was drafted to be that. He's been playing that for some time, and he's been playing with Johnny Gaudreau and Elias Lindholm for some time. But after Sean Monahan, things get a little tricky on that end. Michael Backlund, who's a fine player, he actually had a fine season, would be their second-line center. Not bad, but when you look at teams like, I don't know, the Edmonton Oilers, for example, and you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Sean Monahan and Michael Backlund don't really match up in that regard. Again, Sean Monahan is, is a fine player, but he's not Dreisaitl McDavid, two guys who are absolute locked top 10 players. Some would argue five. So there's conversations right now of Calgary moving Elias Lindholm over to center. Now, his career's taken off when he was acquired in a trade from Carolina. He has 56 goals and 132 points in 151 games over the last two seasons while mostly playing the right line, or the right wing, sorry, on the team's top line with Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau. Flames head coach has been talking and thinking about moving natural Lindholm, or uh, Elias Lindholm, sorry, back to his natural center position full-time next year. Because that's the part that everyone forgets. He was a natural center. He says, I think we really want to explore whether or not we have a better lineup with Elias Lindholm at center than right wing. It certainly is an option. I think with the depth that we've acquired in free agency, we can take a look at that. We know how the other lineup fits together and are comfortable with that. But it's something that they can experiment with. And Lindholm has been a very effective player for us in the middle. And you know how much safer it is having that center depth. So they've, they've, they've brought in guys like uh, Joachim Nordstrom, uh, Dominic Simone, Josh Levo, just all depth players, but all depth wingers. Guys that can play the left, the right wing, predominantly the right wing. So you've got, a, you've got a, a little bit of a stack up on that right wing, and you probably have to move some guys over. Like Dominic Simone would then have to go over and play the left wing, or you know, uh, you'd have to move over Dylan Dubé at some point. or, or you know, You've got to mix some things around. So this will be the lineup going into next year with the acquisitions that they've made if Elias Lindholm were to stay at right wing. Okay, Just bear with me here. So your first line would be Sean Monahan centering Johnny Gaudreau on the left, Elias Lindholm on the right. That's your number one line. They did it last year. They would go ahead with that. Your number two line, which was a line as well, your center would be Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane on the left wing, who you just resigned, Matthew Kachuk on the right wing. Third line, Sam Bennett, centering Milan Lucic on the left, Dylan Dubé on the right. That line played together in the postseason. They were they were quite effective. Sam Bennett is one of those guys that comes live in the playoffs. I actually really liked him there. But, you know, that's your third-line center. And then your fourth line would consist of Derek Ryan in the middle, Dominic Simone on the left, and Dylan, and Josh Levo on the right, with uh, Joachim Nordstrom as being like their 10th their forward. How much better does this sound if Elias Lindholm now moves to center? Your first line. And, these, and all these guys, by the way, have played together. Lindholm, Kachuk, Mangiapane, like uh, they're doing all these like mixed match lines, but they've played together before. Your first line, Elias Lindholm at center, because he's that good of a player. Yes, he is the, that good of a player to replace Sean Monahan at center. With Andrew Mangiapane on the left, Matthew Kachuk on the right. That's your first line. Second line, Sean Monahan at center, 
Johnny Gujarat on the left, Josh Levo on the right. They've got Levo there. This is just the lines that are going through. Third line. Michael Backlund at center. All of a sudden, Backlund is your third line center? It's not bad. Sam Bennett on the left. Dylan Dubé on the right. And then your fourth line, who's just this bruising, hardworking, physical line, consists of Derek Ryan in the middle, Dominic Simone on the right, Milan Lucic on the left. How much better does that sound? With the center depth, all of a sudden, you have two guys who have played number one center before down the middle of your lineup. Backlund, who can play a top six role, now gets bumped down to the third line. And the reason that this is so important for them is it allows Sean Monahan and Johnny Goudreau, who struggled a bit last year, to go play against secondary and tertiary defense corps. You're not playing top units anymore. You're not playing against team shutdown defensemen. Teams are worried about Kachuk. Sean Monahan, Johnny Gaudreau, probably never have to see, never have to see Drew Doughty again. Never have to see Roman Yossi again. Right? Never have to see all of, the, all, all of these top-end defensemen who they see on a nightly basis because that's your top line. Now, all of a sudden, Lindholm, Kachuk, Mangiapani get it. Or do you switch it up? One line's going, they become your top line. Your other line bumps down. All of a sudden, they get the secondary defense corps. And you got Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk just bullying defensive units who can't handle them. The balance, the center depth, forward depth, among other things. But we have come to see how big of a difference forward depth is, especially in the playoffs. Defense wins championships, goaltending. You need a hot goaltender to get on a run to, and they've got their guy in Markstrom. Their, their defense is not, is not bad. I know they lost TJ Brody, but you've still got Rasmus Anderson. You've still got Mark Giordano. You've still got Noah Hannafin. If you move Elias Lindholm to that center position, oh, what an absolute, what a game-changing lineup. So last year, Lindholm, Kachuk, and Manjipani actually played together for a bunch. And they produced an expected goals percentage of 56.4 in about 249 5-on-5 minutes last season. It's 2% better than when Kinchuk and Mangiapane were with Backlund at center. And 6% better when Lindholm was on the wing with Goudreau and Monaghan. Analytics help out. You know, a lot of situations, they they have let us now see things that we wouldn't be able to understand from just watching the game from afar. But now seeing the fact that those numbers back up the production that they produced, if Lindholm moves to center, this team changes drastically. Drastically. You've got some, Dylan Dubé can fly up and play in, instead of Josh Levo on that second line, or he can flip up and Mangiapane can switch with Dubé, or, you know, if you need a game where you want Goudreau up with, with Lindholm and Kachuk, you can do that too, and Mangiapane, like there's, all of a sudden with that center depth, you now have the availability and the options to go about and, and switch up your lineup. That's the best part about having two really good centers up the middle. Go ask, go ask uh, Edmonton, go ask Pittsburgh, go ask Toronto to a certain extent. 
Right, you, you, teams are switching out Marner and, and putting him with Matthews, and then putting him back with Tavares. And Tavares is playing then with 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 Nylander, and then they had Tavares, Marner, and Matthews all together. Like it just you you can have fun with it at that point. the The depth of that team significantly increases with Elias Lindholm at center, and center depth right now in the National Hockey League, especially competing against teams other two headed monsters, center depth is everything. Uh, and let's move on to, to this. I want it's, it's a tougher story here. You know, the Dallas Stars had had an incredible run. They, uh, they rode uh, one of the greatest stories in Anton Kudobin and Nett. Their stories came after their run about guys playing through injuries, guys playing hurt, guys, you know, sacrificing a lot for the, for the sake of winning a, a championship. So some news came out about the Dallas Stars. And we talked about this with Boston a little bit earlier in, uh, in some of their best guys, including David Pasternak. Dallas is going to be without two of probably their more important players for an extended period of time. Senator Tyler Sagan underwent a right hip arthroscopy. God, I hope I'm saying that right. With a labral repair and is expected to miss about five months to recover from the date of the surgery. Goaltender Ben Bishop, who they made a run with without, but I don't know if, again, Dobby might be what is expected, but he definitely ran out towards the end. But Ben Bishop underwent a right knee surgery to repair a torn meniscus back on October 21st. He is expected to miss approximately five months as well. This is, I mean, I under, I don't understand the reason why you didn't get this done earlier. If I'm being completely honest, but maybe you had to go through the process to see what it was. You took some time to figure out what your what your best step was, what your what your best road to recovery was as well. But if you remember, Ben Bishop was deemed unfit to play for the majority of the Stars' playoff run, which culminated in the in the Stanley Cup Finals appearance and unfortunately loss. He played in three games across the postseason, but he missed the final 13 games. And it was revealed afterwards that you know he had. Torn his meniscus, which is just Ben Bishop has gone through some pretty drastic injuries in his career. And it's really unfortunate because he could, he at one point was one of the best goaltenders in hockey, uh, especially when he was playing in Tampa Bay. But it was revealed also after the playoffs regarding Tyler Sagan that he had played through a multitude of injuries over the course of the uh, postseason. And is a big reason, probably, because I was hard on him, why he mustered just two goals and 11 assists in just 26 games. When, when your hip is messed up, you need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to lean on it. You need to be able to balance yourself. You need to be able to shoot the puck. It definitely cost him a lot because I was watching him, and he was getting 23, 22 minutes a night, and I'm sitting there going, why is Tyler Sagan playing horribly right now? And it's because he went a, he went, he had hip surgery and re- repaired his labral. But the stars are going to be missing their stars for the start of next season, whenever it is. So this just happened. So let's just say this. So you've got November, because it's the beginning of November, November, December, January. So if the NHL is targeting a date that would be set to return as of some point in January 1st, but I'm hearing, you know, works of February, let's just for fun say February. 
Season starts in February. They say they'd like to have the season done by at some point in, in, in late July, early August. February's three months from now. So these two would miss the first two months of the regular season. But also from what I'm what I am hearing is in order to fit the regular season in, a shortened season, they would want to get it started as soon as possible, which would be in January, which would mean that they would only have two months off so far. But they would be scheduled to come back at some point in March or late March, early April, somewhere between like the March time frame. But that is a, a significant portion of the season done without two of your top paid players. And yeah, latest report here. NHL is targeting a date, a start date of January 1st for the 2020-2021 season. And the injury timelines given to the team, Bishop could return late March, Sagan early April with it. It's going to be tough for the Stars to come back around if you're missing those two guys, if I'm being honest with you. They can do it because their system's good enough, their team's good enough, but you're missing one of your top point producers in Tyler Sagan and a guy who should be your starting goaltender in Ben Bishop. But uh, the injury bug, even when the uh, regular season ain't playing anymore, it is uh, it is hitting teams hard. Boston's one. Columbus is one we're going to talk about later on, and you know now the Dallas Stars. Uh, and some other good news, though, in terms of injury, finally, because I feel like every health story is a negative, especially with the whole pandemic thing going on right now. But a good news uh, health story. Winnipeg Jets superstar Mark Shifley says that he is fully recovered from his leg injury that derailed his postseason. He said, I'm at 100%, no question about it. That was NHL.com's Tim Campbell had that one. He said, I've been skating every day. I don't know how anyone who skates more than I do. I love being on the ice. That's my number one thing. I get on the ice as much as I can. So if you remember, he was only able to play three shifts in the club's qualifying round series versus Calgary because he was caught with an errant skate from Matthew Kachuk in the back of the leg during a play along the boards. And the, uh, the Flames took that series evidently afterwards in four games. But... Uh, a lot of people, if you remember that hit too, blaming Kachuk, saying that it was uh, intentional. But even Mark Shifley said that he did not believe that he meant to do that on purpose. I, I'm in that agreement as well. I don't think it was such an awkward hit. He was trying to finish a check. They were both turning into the corner. And I think Shifley got a little bit more turn on it. And Kachuk slipped. His, his skate came up, caught him in the back of the leg. Like You have to like actually pull your skate up and push into it to make it seem legit. But like Mark Shifley, I remember back when he was playing in the Ontario Hockey League. I was living in Owen Sound at the time. He was playing for, I believe, the Barry Colts. I remember watching him. I remember watching him play. And this is, this is a story I'll tell you, because I've never been so dead wrong about a player in my life. I was watching him, and I understand the reason why he was like this. It was a playoff series, and I think Owen Sound won the game or something. But Shifley the whole game, right? Not skating that hard. Didn't look like the effort was there. Standing in front, he was missing. He was missing passes. I was watching. I'm like, this is the seventh overall pick from what was it, a year or two years prior. Like, he's the seventh overall pick. Like, I don't know if this guy's gonna pan out. Yeah, I said this about Mark Shifley. And the reason, also, when I looked at the uh, stat sheet afterwards, he had four points in the game. 
and he had a bad game according to my standards. But this was a guy who uh, I believe at that point was hurt. Still disappointed that he did not make the Winnipeg Jets out of camp. And probably a guy who was ready to go to start his NHL career being the seventh overall pick in the draft. He was over it. I know it was playoffs. I know you want to play for a team, but this dude was ready to go. And like I said, I, I remember seeing him and didn't think that I did not think he was going to pan out in the player that was. I said, like, he'll be fine, but he's not going to be anything spectacular. And well, last year, marked his seventh full season with the Jets, finished the regular season, tied for the team lead with 73 points in 71 games. Guy's legit. Guy's a superstar. Guy's one of the top players in the NHL. Not even kind of close. Uh, I've never been so wrong about a player in my life. I just, I have to tell that story because I talk, I, the podcast here allows me to talk freely without any, without any interruption. And a lot of the times, and a lot of the times I can be wrong about something. I normally am. I try to keep it unbiased. I, I do what I can, but sometimes I'm wrong. Right, and I was like, "What's going on with Tyler Sagan?" Like, I didn't know he was hurt, and turns out he broke his hip or something. Like, he he was he was hobbled, he was injured. But yeah, I've just I've never been so wrong about a player before. Mark Shifley, couple of players I thought would pan out that didn't, but I've never called a player not thinking they were going to be a superstar, and then they become a superstar. So that was that was a humbling moment for me, and that's when I realized that I need to pull back on, on certain players and, and and let them pan out first before I make any judgment. So nice to see that Mark Shifley is back to a hundred percent health, but yeah, fun little story when I was, uh, when I was over in Owen sound covering the, uh, the attack and just, yeah, Mark Shifley in a bad game and a guy that I didn't think was going to do anything <laughs> at four points in the game. It was, uh, that's wild. Absolutely wild stuff. Uh, Before we head out today, let's get to some news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, New York Islanders and stalwart defenseman Ryan Pollock came to terms on a two-year contract. The team announced a couple of days ago the deal carries an annual cap hit of $5 million, according to Elliot Friedman. So the structure of the contract is about $3.34 million in the first year and $6.66 in the second year. He was scheduled to have an arbitration hearing actually today, but uh, they agreed upon term. Uh, six foot two, two seventeen, blue liner. A guy that I've really liked. Good right hand shot defenseman. Averaged over twenty two minutes of ice with the New York Islanders, and he led the team in uh, defenseman in in points with thirty five. And analytically show that he's also one of the best five on five defensemen in the league. That's according to Charting Hockey's Sean Tierney. He's just twenty six years of age as well. He was drafted fifteenth overall. Got to forget that. Like this is a this is a top, this is a first round pick and a top fifteen pick back in twenty thirteen, and for all the teams right now who are drafting defensemen, who's been two, three, four years and their guys still aren't playing right now, defensemen take time. Defensemen take time to develop. They take time to grow into their bodies. They take time to figure out the game at a higher speed and a higher rate because everyone's getting faster and stronger. And Ryan Pollock, who a guy you probably hadn't heard all that much about, just got a two-year contract at $5 million per as the 15th overall pick seven years ago. And a great deal for them. And he is now analytically being known as one of the best, um, you know, best all-around defensemen in the league, averaging over 22 minutes, chipping in with 35 points. If he hits 40 points, a laughing and a right shot defenseman to boot. So great move by the Islanders locking him up. Uh, they still have to sign uh, Matthew Barzell to a contract right now. So 
they don't uh they've only got 3.9 million dollars in cap space so they uh, they need to figure something out if they want to get Barzell locked up on New York Rangers forward Ryan Strom he doesn't need arbitration either. The two sides settled on a two-year contract last night, Thursday night, carrying an annual cap at $4.5 million. His, uh, he was scheduled to have arbitration yesterday as well, but the two sides came to uh, an agreement over the process when they were about $2 million apart. He's uh, 27 years of age, had a breakout season last year, racking up 59 points in 70 games. I had him in fantasy. I picked him up out of nowhere, and he was fantastic down the line. Probably due in part to playing with Artemi Panarin, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, if you remember, he was selected fifth overall by the Islanders back in 2011. He showed promise with 50 points in his second year, but uh, he tallied just 32 over his next few seasons before this past year. Uh, if you remember too, they acquired him from the Edmonton Oilers back in 2018 in exchange for Ryan Spooner. Now the Rangers still have about $6.4 million in projected cap space, but they still need to sign um, restricted free agent Brendan Lemieux. And uh, I believe that they are going to be done at that point. But man, they still got $6.4 million and they've got most of their big boys locked up the contracts, including Zabinajad, Panarin, and now, uh, and now Strom. They've got Trub on the back end and just um, the Rangers. And now they have Lafreniere. And oh my gosh, they are. They're going to be a fun team. Longfist is gone. The cap's there. This is going to be a fun team for some time. Good on the Rangers to get Strom locked up. Uh, proud of him. Deserves the money. Had a breakout year. Had almost 60 points in 70 games. Would have broke the 60-point plateau. Probably would have hit about 65, 66 points last year. But yeah, you play with our Timmy Panarin. Good things happen. And then lastly here, tough news for Columbus Blue Jackets forward, Gustav Nyquist. He uh, underwent successful surgery this past Tuesday to repair a labral tear of his own in his left shoulder. He's expected to fully recover in five to six months, the team announced a couple of days ago. General Manager Jarl um, uh, Kikalainen uh, revealed with the ailment it was a chronic issue that he's been dealing with for a number of seasons, plural. He said he's been able to perform at a high level, but the cyst of the area has developed over time, and it's it's, it's given him an inability to produce. And so the, the, the surgery went, was successful, and hopefully he'll have a chance to come back at some point next year. Uh, 31 years of age, he had his first season with the Blue Jackets after inking a four-year, $22 million contract. Uh, 42 points in 70 games, but you know he's been dealing with pains over the last little while or so. So that's a tough blow for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That is a team that needs scoring. And uh, when a guy, a 42-point guy, a guy who's projected to probably score even more, uh, is out of your lineup for a significant period of time, it's going to be tough news to swallow for them, but... Good coaching staff, good goaltending, great defense. Uh, hopefully a couple of guys who are in the draft system can come up and, and fill that role. Liam Foody's one of those guys that you know, a strong end to his playoff campaign with them, and hopefully he'll get a chance to play up into their you know, top nine and maybe fill out a little bit of scoring. But, you know, wish uh, wish Gustav all the best and a speedy recovery. Also, by the way, wish uh, with Ben Bishop and uh, Tyler Sagan a speedy recoveries for their injuries as well. And uh, I'm just telling like, the injury bug, man, it never ceases to, it never sleeps. It's always here. It's always just nonstop. And even when you think the season's done and there's not supposed to be injuries, that injury bug comes up and, uh, and out of nowhere. Just a reminder, I will be on Friday nights with Mike Stubbs, voice of the London Knights on 980 CFPL News. Just after 7 o'clock, we'll go over a few other stories around the uh, National Hockey League and, and talk about that fun stuff. But that is it for episode number 21. Make sure you follow along on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts where you forget them. If you'd like to send in a review and click the subscribe button, follow along. I'd appreciate it. 
Follow me all over on Instagram and Twitter at Second Thoughts P. And until episode 22, have a fantastic weekend. Let's wrap. 